2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read two verses, kind of as a launching point. There should be some notes that were inside the, the prayer page, if you'll have those, if you, if you want to take notes, you can. The Apostle Paul is the author of uh, a good percentage of our New Testament, and that includes this book that we're reading from tonight. This was the second book that he wrote, obviously, to the believers, the church at Corinth. And yet, remember that it's not just a, a letter to a group of people thousands of years ago, but it's a letter for us tonight. And Paul writes in the 20th verse, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's our theme tonight. We are His ambassadors. We are His ambassadors. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, speaking of Christ, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd give all of us here tonight clarity of, of mind and, and heart, that we would be able to listen to the Spirit of God through the Word of God. If there's anyone that's not saved in this building or in uh, watching by way of live stream, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction as we will look at the gospel tonight. And so I pray that even tonight there would be someone who would be saved because of the power of the gospel and the Spirit of God. We don't have that power in us. And so, Lord, I pray for that request. And then I ask, Holy Spirit of God, for all those who are saved and on their way to heaven, that we would once again be challenged by this truth that we are your ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thomas Rainier is a, an author maybe that you've heard of before, and he writes in a, a book called Surprising Insights. I don't have the book, didn't read the book, I'm just giving, giving credit for this quote. But he says that only one person is reached for Christ for every 85 church members in the United States of America. Think about that for a minute. One person is reached for Christ for every 85 church members. Obviously, that, that doesn't sound very good. That uh, doesn't sound like a very good number because who are the ambassadors? The ambassadors are us. We who are saved, who are on our way to heaven. The angels are not the ambassadors. The, you know, I guess that's the only other option, isn't it? They're not the ambassadors, but we are. And so... Uh, it is important that we not lose sight of that, uh, regardless of the spiritual temperature of our day in which we live, which we might say is colder, 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 colder. But the book never changes. It's still a two-edged sword that pierces even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and it's still a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that's never going to change. 
And it's never going to change that God has commissioned us to be um, ambassadors. So in the notes here, God has given us a message. God has given us a message that is a matter of life and death to share with the world. God has given us a message that is a matter of life and death to share with the world. I've said this before, I don't mean it to sound uh, you know, uh, casual in any way, but there are no do-overs. When somebody dies, there's no do-over. Well, I want to go back and try it again. That doesn't happen. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. So we have been given, uh, it, isn't, it isn't my message. It's not your message. But we've been, giving, been given a message from God. And it is a matter of someone's eternal life. Maybe we should add that word. Or eternal death. I don't have a space for it, but just in thinking about it. It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. Um, to share with the world. The next little opening statement. The burden of the local church. The burden of the local church. And remember, when we say church, we're not speaking of a structure. The Bible never speaks of a church as structure. It's the word ecclesia. It means a called out assembly. So it's you and me in the parking lot under a tent here, you know, at a hotel, it doesn't matter. We're the church. Christ is the head, right? We have one head, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So the burden of the local church is not to build buildings. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the burden. The burden of the local church must be to take Jesus Christ to the people. That's our burden. We're not even to take ourselves, we're not even taking the church to the people. Think about what I'm saying. We've been reiterating this a lot lately, but we're not taking, is this okay? We're not taking Anchor Baptist Church to the people. Yeah, we're inviting people to come to church. There's nothing wrong with that. But really what we're, we're praying that God would help us to do is to take Christ to the people. Christ is the one who saves. The church doesn't save anybody. Um, but Christ can save everybody who will believe. So this is the burden. It reminds me of another thing I was reading about a man who got really burdened about reaching people for Christ. He was a brand new Christian. And this man was a barber. And so, you know, I don't know what you think of when you think of old-fashioned barber shops, but uh, this particular man, he was a little bit rough around the edges when he got saved. I guess we all were in some way, but he got saved, but he really wanted to tell people about Jesus. And so he got ready for work one day, and he went to the barber shop, and um, maybe you've been to a barber that offers a straight-edge razor shave or neck or whatever. Uh, for the guys, okay? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, but you, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. Maybe you've seen a straight-edge razor. Anyway, and so that day he got all ready. Of course, he doesn't know. He's just, you know, he's a new Christian, and he's, you know, he's just thinking, I, I want to talk to people about the Lord, and 
I want to be able to witness to people, and I want to be able to talk to people about Jesus Christ. And so his first customer came in that day, and he got seated down, and he wanted to have a shave. And so he went over there to that warm, I mean, I remember this barber in Michigan where I, where I grew up. He had, that, that stuff was warm when it came out, those, uh, the, the shaving cream or whatever, the real deal stuff. And, man, you put that on, and it was so, he would put it on my neck. I never got a shave at, at my age. I didn't need one at 16, so... But he put it on my neck, and oh, it felt so good. I'm like, man, this is just, this is the best of the best. And so, but this guy, you know, he wanted a full shave, and, and so this nice lather, he got it up there, and he got his knife out, you know, or he got his uh, razor blade out, and he got it all ready to go. And he was just about ready to take that first swipe of the shaving cream off of his face, and he says to the guy, you know, he's going to be a witness for Christ. And he says to the guy, are you prepared to meet God? You know, maybe that's not what we're talking about, you know, that uh, uh, that's maybe not the way we're going to do it, you know. <laughs> but, hey, you can't blame the guy, right? That's the burden. That's got to be our burden. And um, I left here yesterday, and I was, I, of all things, I was headed to get a haircut. I know that sounds just like I made that up, but I didn't. I, I was. I was leaving to get a haircut and go to the bank and so forth, and there was a guy sitting on the bench out here. And he was not in good shape. He was not in good shape. I went to my car first, and I didn't have a track on my possession at the time, and I put everything in my car, got a track, and headed over to see this gentleman. And he had water in one hand, and the other hand wasn't water. He just wasn't doing good. And I don't know where the track ended up that I gave him. I talked to him for a little bit, and uh, he wasn't sober. And, but my heart just broke for this man. And uh, I haven't taken advantage of every opportunity. I'm not lifting myself up, but um, we got to talking a little bit. Again, I don't know what he'll remember, but I said, I'd really like to invite you to come up to one of the services. He's like, I know who you are. I'm like, oh, you do? He goes, you're the minister. I don't know. Maybe he met Pastor Mackay. Maybe, maybe he met me before, and I didn't remember him. But, you know, even in his state that he was in, he said he knew who I was. I'm not saying that's... But I'm somebody. I'm just saying that a burden, it's got to be a burden that uh, this, this message is real. And so, number one, though, before we can be equipped, before we can go with that burden, we need to understand the gospel. Understanding the gospel. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15.1 Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Amen. If you keep, that's how you got saved. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Verse 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So Paul's saying, I've already received this. Now I'm delivering it to you. That Christ I delivered it to you. I, that Christ died for our sins. That's the first part of the gospel, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. That's the second part of the gospel. 
and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the third part of the Gospel. And we want to understand those things. Now, we don't have to have a, 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 a seminary degree. I'm not, I'm not um, saying don't get a seminary degree if God wants you to get one, but I'm saying you don't need a seminary degree to explain the Gospel. You don't. If you have it, great. But don't think you have to have it to explain the Gospel. We have what we need in the Word of God and the Spirit of God who is in you and who is in me, we have all that we need to explain the gospel. And it's really simple. The gospel itself is simple. It's three parts. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are key, to under, those are key as we go with that burden. We need to go with the right message. And the right message is the gospel. Baptism is not part of the gospel. Church membership is not part of the gospel. I think we all understand this, but it's good to know because... Sometimes when you talk to people and you ask them things, they may, the first thing they may say is, I got baptized. Well, that's great. But if that's the first thing someone says, I'm a little bit suspect about whether they really understand what it means to be a born-again Christian because it has nothing to do with being baptized. That is a step of obedience, but it is not part of the gospel. So we need to understand the gospel. Letter A, as we're understanding the gospel, we need to avoid the extremes. Avoid the extremes. And we have a verse there from Acts chapter 20, verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So avoid the extremes. One thing I just wrote in my notes here is don't complicate things. Don't complicate things with elaborate terminology. That's an extreme. But then on the other side of the coin, we also cannot make things shallow. And we're just trying to lead someone to pray something and so forth and so on. That is what religions are all about. We're not religion. We're, 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 we want a relationship with Christ. So we don't want to be overcomplicating it, but we also don't want to make it shallow. So let's look at these words just quickly. Repentance. Repentance toward God. Turn around and go. Repentance. Turn around and go in the opposite direction. Repentance toward God. So if, if someone doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life, then we're, we're, we're trying to show them the gospel that says, no, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And for them to be saved, they cannot just take Jesus and add Jesus to some other belief that they have. It has to be Jesus or nothing. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So it is a... It is a Complete turnaround from everything that someone believes. Again, if somebody believes their baptism is needed, then that's not part of salvation. So to turn and go in an opposite direction. Repentance toward God. Faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's, that is what we said a moment ago. But that word faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Believing that Christ is the only way to be forgiven and receive eternal life. 
So they're, they're the same coin, only opposite sides. Repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Letter B kind of gets lost in the shuffle there, and we, we kind of mentioned this last week, but have a plan. Have a plan. We're going to talk about that right now. By the way, it says have a plan. It doesn't say have the plan. Because there isn't just one plan. You know, I learned as, I learned as a 12-year-old boy, I learned the Romans road. That's a plan. You, maybe you've heard that terminology before, the Romans road. You know what we discovered on Sunday night? And uh, we'll mention this couple. Somebody remind me during prayer time. I don't want to do it online. But we, we had an opportunity to witness to a couple on Sunday night after church. And I've never done this before. This is the Holy Ghost, totally. We stayed in John 3 for like 20 minutes. Just John 3. We never left John 3. There's a lot of good just in John 3. And I think you know some of the verses. Obviously, John 3.16, John 3.36, John 3.3. You must be born again, and on and on it goes. And so I didn't even touch Romans for a long time. Maybe not 20 minutes. Maybe it was shorter than that. But I'm just saying, have a plan. Okay? And be, let, let uh, we'll, we'll give it, anyway, we'll add to that in just a minute. So, number two, give a clear gospel presentation. So we're understanding the gospel. Now we want to give a clear gospel presentation. But we must recognize that it is not the presentation that is the power. No presentation has power. Dr. Paul Brand was speaking to a medical college in India on Matthew 5.16, which says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In front of the lectern was an oil lamp from the shallow as he preached the lamp ran out of oil and the wick burned dry the smoke making him cough it gave him an opportunity to immediately have an illustration quote some of us here are like this wick we're trying to shine for the glory of God think Get to the point, right? That's what happens when we use ourselves as the fuel of our witness. When we use ourselves or our plan or our strategy or our Romans road, those things are fine. We're saying have a plan, but that's not the power. That's what happens when we use ourselves as the fuel of our witness rather than the Holy Spirit. Wicks can last indefinitely, burning brightly and without irritating smoke if the fuel, the Holy Spirit, is in constant supply. So as we give a clear presentation of the gospel, might we never forget that we must rely on the Holy Spirit of God to bring about conviction. And we must rely on the Holy Spirit of God to get through the nervousness, the fear of man, 
and everything else that might be in our heart because the Holy Spirit of God is the power. So, but this is a presentation, okay? Number one, or dot there, understand that God loves you. Understand that God loves you. John 3.16 is on the other, on the inside of your paper. Most everybody here knows this verse. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And you could preach on that verse for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and not run out of material. That He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And there are many words in there that you could, you could take and you could describe and explain what those words mean. First John 5.13 These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I think the idea with having that verse there is tying it back to He gave His only begotten Son. 1 John 5.13 reiterates uh, that once again. Eternal life is not through the church. Eternal life is through the Son. So God loves us. And I think that's what we want to convey to anyone that we're talking to is the love of God because it is the love of God that draws someone. We love Him because He first loved us. You know, hearing His love, I think I just passed that, didn't we? 1 John, 1 John 4.10, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He was the payment for our sins. Not that we loved God, but because He loved us. So I think that's very important. Then the next dot, realize your condition. Realize your condition. I'm not telling you to realize your condition unless you're not saved, but this is what we're trying to convey. This is a plan that we can... These are verses that I would encourage you to have marked in your Bible. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you may have many other verses that you could put in there uh, that you would refer to from God's Word that uh, tell people they're a sinner. You could even go to the Old Testament and you could go to a verse like Isaiah 53.6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So you could use, you could use a verse like that. And I, I'm not saying these are the only ones, remember. This is just to kind of remind us and maybe get us thinking about other passages of Scripture that we could use. But these are some of the basic things that we want to be able to... This is that message. This is that... Um, that burden that we want to take to lost people. Maybe we only get to tell them part of it, but we plant the seed. Maybe we only get to leave the trap. 
but maybe we get to talk a little bit. Again, we're asking the Holy Spirit of God. This isn't just about Saturday morning at 10 a.m., by the way. To me, we want to, we want to grow, and I'm trying to grow this way. And I think you'll understand what I'm saying, that it is not a, it is not a Saturday morning event. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, right? Um, that it's almost difficult for us not to be thinking about it. And we all have days where we don't think about it, okay? Um, that's not right. Because every day that we live, we have an opportunity that we may never have again. And number next, God has a penalty for sin. By the way, if someone doesn't recognize their sinful condition, they can't be saved. It's impossible. Because what are you getting saved from? So we've got to, we've got to emphasize, you know, you are a sinner. <laughs> you know, you can say it however you want. You can use Bible words, but, which is obviously the best. But you know what I do when I, when I talk to somebody about the gospel? I make sure they understand that this isn't just them. It's me too. I am a sinner. I deserve to perish. John 3.16. I deserve to pay for my own sin and so forth. Now, you know, there's going to be some people that you, you can't just run right into John 3.16. You might have to back up a little bit because they don't have much knowledge of even Jesus Christ. I'll tell you that in just a minute. God just, I mean, it was just amazing. Anyway, praise the Lord for opportunities. But let's turn over to Romans 6.23. We're living in, a, in an area where we have so many opportunities to talk to people that haven't been hearing of Jesus Christ from the womb up. All right? Less, fewer and fewer people like that. Right? They've heard of Jesus from the time they were born until today. No, fewer and fewer people like that. Not just because we have a lot of people from all over the world, but just because it just happens. Fewer and fewer people are brought up in a home that fears God. They may not be Christians, but it, it, there's not even a fear of God there. But we're not, we're not going to be discouraged by that because our mission is to take Christ to them. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us. We're co-laborers together with God. We're not going with this gospel message alone. We have God with us. And that's, that's a blessing. For the wages of sin is death. This is the penalty. The wages of sin is death. Some people don't know possibly what that word wage means. And maybe you would explain what the word wage means. It's a it's a payment, you know, you can even use things like it. If you have a job and you get paid every couple of weeks, you're getting a wage for your work. And God says here we have a wage for our sin and our wage for our sin is death. And then I, I normally take people to Ro, uh, Revelation 20 and 15. Revelation 20 and 15 and tie in those two words, uh, those two words, uh, death. For the wages of sin is death. And then in Revelation 20, 14, it says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And I explain uh, from God's word the second death, the second death. And so then we know that this death in Revelation and this death in Romans are referring to a spiritual death. Spiritual death. 
Recognize God loves you. Realize your condition. God has a penalty for sin. Then believe Christ died for you. Now, I was talking about this couple on Sunday night after church. I've said this, I don't know how many times I've said this in my life from age 12 on or whatever. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Now, you heard about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, right? And 9.9 times out of 10, somebody says, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. But Sunday night, the couple said, never heard of that. Never it literally stopped me in my tracks, so to speak. First, it humbled me. Because I've heard that for 50 years and nine months. When I was in the womb, I heard it. And I've heard it every day, probably, or most every day, most every week of my life, I've heard something about Jesus. And I mean, it just took the breath out of me. Because in their religion, you know, Jesus didn't die on the cross. The religion that they grew up in. So we can't just assume, oh, you've heard of that. And I wasn't doing that, but I was just kind of, this is what I say and see what happens from there. And yet it was just as frank as ever. I've never heard of that. Wow. So sometimes we're delivering a message for the very first time. And you can't just say, you know, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, would you like to get saved? You can't do that necessarily. And, and we didn't do that on Sunday night. We stopped and it's time to go. But we're praying. I believe a, a really good gospel seed was planted. But we went and we showed them from the Bible, though, by the way. We said, okay, let, let's, let's go to the Bible and um, let's go to Romans 5.8. You have it there in your... You have it there in your, um, in your notes. But, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's not just as simple as uh, showing one verse, uh, but it's a start. And you could skip back up. And you know what? I'm going to actually do this too. Add verse 6 to your notes there. Romans 5, 6. If you just let your eyes glance up a little bit, notice it says, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And you know what? I would just say, that's me. I'm, I, I'm ungodly. Christ died for me. Christ died for sinners. That's me. So Christ died for us. Verse 9, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And, you know, it, it is an opportunity to explain a little bit about, depending on the time, the setting, and so forth, you can, you can explain about where this came about. How did this, how did this thing come about that Jesus Christ was going to die on a cross for sinners? And obviously this goes back to the Old Testament and how that... Uh, it, obviously, that was God's plan from the foundation of the world. The Bible says that He was slain from the foundation of the world. But we can go back in our Bible and we can see that uh, in, in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, what didn't work? 
the fig, the, the leaves. I don't know if they were fig leaves. But yeah, I think I said it. But it, anyway, the leaves that they went and they found, that didn't work. That wasn't good enough. But God took some kind of an animal. We don't know what kind of an animal, but we know that, as we've said before, you're not going to skin an animal without killing it. I mean, skinning it, right? And he said, okay, here's, here's some skin. Here's a coat. This is the covering. So what was shed to have that covering? Well, the blood. That animal's blood was shed. So really, we have a picture of the covering that we need all the way back in the very first sin by a human, okay? We know Satan sinned before that, but you know what I'm saying, right? And so there's a picture you could show someone. And then, of course, it's all the way through with the, um, the lamb once a year that the high priest would offer. And, you know, I was thinking about that. I was listening to some preaching earlier today where it talked, he, the man was talking about how that only one time a year the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. And we can do that every day. We can go into the presence of God every day because we, we believe in what's called the priesthood of the believer. Priesthood of the believer. What does that mean? That means you don't have to pray to the pastor. You don't have to pray to the priest anymore. You pray right to the Father through the Son because the Son, Christ, is our high priest. But anyway, and then we, we show them uh, the last little dot there. By faith, receive God's gift of eternal life. This is a message. This is a plan. Excuse me. This is a plan you, can ha- you could use. Uh, let's, let's look at Romans 10. Please. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, confess means to agree with God, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart. So it's not just a, 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 a verbal assent. It's a verbal plus coming from the heart. That God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Another verse there is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So it's, it's kind of a redundant statement, I think, but number three, let me give you this because it's really what we've been saying, but be prepared, be prepared to share the gospel. So, it's not, again, this is that lifestyle idea here. Not lifestyle evangelism, but making soul winning or soul warning or giving the gospel a lifestyle is what I'm saying. Be prepared. So what are ways we can be prepared? Well, one way we can be prepared, I, I'll just read you this last thing. Uh, you can use a gospel track, but, it, it, but I think I missed a word there. You have, it is always better? But it, okay. Always better, this must have been a rough draft because my grammar is terrible, but it's always better to show them the verses in the Bible. See, you can't come to me for grammar help. <laughs> anyway, so gospel track, gospel track is, is good. 
It's not bad. I'm not saying don't have, don't use the gospel track because you, you can, you can show somebody the message right from this track. If that's all you have, have this because it's, it's a good resource. But another resource that we want to have is at least a New Testament, right? I have in my car, again, I'm not, I'm not the best at any of this, but I keep a New Testament in my car just in case, right? And so you can keep a New Testament. We, they're, you know, they're smaller. We can, we, can get, we can order them. We haven't ordered them for a while, but it's just a, it's a leather cover, and we can get, get a bunch of those in, but have them. Have them uh, it's easier. You know, I, I, I told you about my new Bible. I started using it last Wednesday. You know, I, n- nothing against carrying this around, but this is going to be a little tough for me to carry around everywhere I go. I mean, it's, it's fine, but it's just a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit um, cumbersome to carry around a full Bible, especially a family Bible. You remember those, those good old family Bibles? I love that family Bible we had at home. Big old white thing about this tall. Whew, can you imagine carrying that thing around? Anyway, I'm just kind of, but be prepared. Okay? First way that we're prepared is pray. This is not the first preparation. Grab a track. The first preparation is pray. God, I'm leaving the house today. I don't know, when, I don't know where you're taking me today. Well, I think I've got to go to work. I've got to go to the store. I've got to go here. I've got to go there. But you really don't know where you're going. You know, I'm not saying you, you don't know what's going on in your head. But, you know, we don't know where. I didn't know where I was going yesterday. I didn't know he was going to be out here, this gentleman. So be prepared. And again, I'm not always prepared. I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. But be prepared. If we don't have any of these, at least any of these close by, we're not prepared. But the first preparation is pray. Pray for a burden. Pray for a greater burden. God, I'm going out today. I'm going to work today. I'm going here, there. I'm going to school. I'm going whatever. God, give me a burden today to not be so just thinking about what I need to do today, but a burden for someone today that you're going to bring across my path. Pray. Pray for that Holy Spirit filling. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's for everyday living. That's not just for preaching a sermon. That's for going to work, going to school, going here and there and everywhere, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with a a, a level of compassion that only God could give. Jesus looked out and saw a bunch of people with like sheep with no shepherd, and the Bible said he was moved with compassion. God helped me to be moved with compassion, not moved with, this is an inconvenience. Sad we can be that way, isn't it? Sad we can be that way. Sad I can be that way. I got to get from here to here to here to here. <laughs> it's amazing how God directs our path. It really is. This has nothing to do with soul winning, but I just want to share this with you by way of closing. I said I left here yesterday with the intentions of doing a certain thing in a certain order. I don't know if you're like me, but I like, you know, okay, I've got Everything mapped out, I'm going to leave, and I'm going A, B, C, D, and then I'm going to be home, or whatever. And i got to go in that order. That's just how I do it. But yesterday, God said, no, we're not doing it that way. (laughs) We're going to mix it up. You're going to start with C. We don't start with C, God. We start with A. Nope, you're going to start with C. (laughs) You know, mix it all around, and it's okay. God brings the letters together. 
better anyway. So the haircut place I normally had a one-hour wait. Well, okay, God forgive me, but I don't like waiting one hour at all. And so, but God was in that, even my impatience. God used my impatience yesterday. So I went to the bank first instead of going to the haircut. And then after the bank, I went to the place where um, Sandra Lopez works. I've never been there. I've never been to that great clips. I walk up to the door, and who's sitting right over here in the, in the chair? Mrs. Boyle. Ann Boyle's sitting over there in the chair. Not in the haircut chair, but in the waiting chair. I'm like, oh, great. I look up. There's Liam getting his hair cut. There's Sandra cutting Liam's hair. The other lady that was cutting hair was the Persian lady that Sandra had brought to the Persian meeting on the Sunday night. We had given her a Bible. I didn't recognize her at first, but anyway, we got all the fog out of my head cleared up. And anyway, uh, just had some fellowship there uh, before uh, Liam's haircut was done. All I'm saying is, that wasn't part of my plan. It wasn't a witnessing opportunity, but we did talk about church the whole time we were in that place, and there were other people in there getting their haircuts, so uh, I guess they had to hear it all while we were there. And both haircutters were involved, so anyway, I'm just saying, when we go and about our day, let God plan our day. Let God move things around because he's sovereign and he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to perish. I'm saying that's because we have a message. We have a, um, we have a truth. We have the truth from this book. And God may just move your day a little bit, just a little bit. He'll move it. And you'll meet one person that you weren't going to meet. So be ready with something. When God opens the door, be ready to deliver this message. The burden of the local church is not to build buildings. The burden of the local church must be to take Jesus Christ to the people.